Lights, camera, action! We uh, clap the clapboard, and hey, the Hello, curtains everybody. are opening. Whoa. We're on stage. Look at those curtains go. Wow. Usually you wait till the curtains open, or you appear behind, but we appeared in front of the curtains, and then they opened behind us. Yeah, and those curtains, they moved at a really perfect curtain moving speed, about as fast as you could go without creating that sort of like gravity over whoosh effect that you have your curtains all slapping around because you moved them too fast. That was just great yeah, work. Perfect to the speed. Yeah, it's also distracting staff. if the curtains are moving too fast. People are like, Am I what's to be going looking on at here? the curtains? They seem like the main character right now. No. <laughs> so you might be wondering what these weird masks we're wearing are this week. You know, it's not a happy and sad mask. These aren't the dramatic masks of the fine arts. Yeah, tragedy and comedy. No, no, no. These are the bully mask and the bullied mask with a D on the end. Yeah, so you can see the bully mask. He's got some sort of rough features, a little bit of angry, gruff face. And the bullied mask has got sort of a wince, but like sort of an appeasing wince. He's like, oh, no, there's no problem, man. Like, don't worry about it. Like being that bullied role more than just being like, oh, I'm sad because I'm bullied. Oh, I'm happy because I'm a bully. It's not that simple. They need their own masks. The emotions of being a bully or bullied much more complicated than pure happiness, pure sad. I even notice in the bully mask, like I see a deep pain there hidden beneath the sadistic smile myself. But also everyone check under your seats because there's a mask there for you. That's right. It's an audience mask. Feel free to put that on. So we've all got masks now for the three roles, the bully, the bullied and the audience. That's right. You're part of the show. The show could not happen without an audience. So on that note, before we continue, I think Aaron and I both really just want to thank everyone for listening to the show, spending time with us, listening to us talk about ideas. And we also want to give that extra special thanks to our donor community, the people who donate whatever fits their budget to help our show keep going. So yeah, you remember Patreon. It helps us to do more episodes more frequently with better research and so on. So I'll just take off my independent content creator mask and put back on my bullied mask. All right. Yes. Yeah, so do you want to get started? Should I start bullying you now? Yes, please. Now, a regular bully bullied interaction would not look like that. That was a little behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, the masks are still, they've been half taken off for the remember Patreon moment. But yeah, because we are on a stage, I just wanted to be sure you're ready, but you said you are. So yeah, yeah you're really ugly and nobody will ever love you. I just noticed that. Do you ever notice that? Hey, everyone in the audience, do you notice that? Raise your hands if you notice that. There's a few scattered hands raising it. Let's start chanting. Ugly, 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 ugly. I think that I'm fairly handsome. <laughs> he thinks he's handsome. Laugh, laugh. At him. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Some people are more or less handsome than others. It's a natural variation. Oh, some people, it's a natural variation. That's what you said right now. If I was going to be a lonely creep forever, I would want to have that kind of mindset. Why are you acting this way to me? Is there something wrong with me? Like, why yes, is there this? Yes, there's something wrong with you. That's what I'm trying to tell ah, you. Stop saying that. There's so many things wrong with you. I can't even list them Why aren't all. you doing something? Who, the audience? Yeah, why are they doing something? They are doing something. They're standing by and watching the show. That's what the audience is for. Hey, raise your hands if you think he's going to be alone forever. Now point and laugh. Let's get that ugly chanting back. Nobody likes you. Nobody will ever like you. And scene. And scene. Okay, that's enough. Enough of the chanting. 
We were just actors doing just demonstrating what it's like to bully someone on a stage with masks on. All right, settle down, audience. He is ugly. This part of the show is what is the lie. I'm not ugly. I'm actually quite handsome. No, really, we were acting before, and I don't even think that he's ugly. And just saying that nobody will ever like clearly untrue. I'm talking about the real Sean. Not a bit. Not a bit. It's me, one of the hosts, Sean. I'm here every week. They're turning on me. That's the power of bullying for you. Yes, it's a lesson for us all. You're seriously wrong. You're seriously wrong. You're seriously wrong. Seriously wrong. everyone and welcome to Seriously Wrong. Our show is made possible by our generous donors on Patreon. If you give $6 or more a month, that sweet six, you'll get access to our whole back catalog including bonus episodes. And if you donate at any level, we'll give you access to episodes early. Right now we have around a thousand patrons and we're hoping to get up to 1500 this year. If we're able to do that, then we're going to have the money and time that we need to do the show that we want to do. You know, the money that's donated to our Patreon goes to doing things like licensing music, like this song you're hearing right now, and sound effects libraries, as well as paying editors to help us bring the show to life. We've set a new Patreon goal. Uh, Once we reach 1,500 patrons, we are going to be producing a full-length internet documentary on the concept of library socialism. Our hope is that we'll make something that you can show a normal, everyday people to make them think and talk about alternative to capitalism so if that sounds like a good idea for a movie something you'd like to see sign up on our patreon and thank you to everyone who's already doing that uh, as well as people who have done that in the past and also people who are going to do that in the future we really really appreciate it Uh, your support pays for the show keeps the show going and we couldn't do it without you Uh, we're an ad-free show entirely listener supported you're the best we really really appreciate it Uh, on with the show We now go to the school counselor's office at Wrongtown High. Hey, Mr. T. Spiller, do you have a minute? Oh, yeah. Yes. Come in, Wally. Have a seat. Uh, oh, what is that? It looks like you got a little bruise there. It's like a little black eye thing. Did you get in a fight? Well, I was... Lay it on me. What happened? Spill the tea. You kids. Darren has been pushing me around, punching me, calling me names. Oh, Darren is such a little creep. Sorry, go on. Yesterday he was talking shit about me and then I was like confronting him and then we started tussling. What did he say? He said some bad shit about my mom. He didn't. Your mom? That's below the belt. I don't really want to repeat it, but... I mean, I'm not going to force you to repeat it, but if it would help you to unburden to... You know, I'm here for you. It was misogynistic. It was fatphobic. The details I would rather not repeat. Of course, of course. I don't need all the details. Juicy as they may be. 
But that must have been so hard for you. Oh, and then the pushing and the fighting. Yeah, and they all gang up on me. They're calling me names. They, they, and you can't think of any good names to call them back? I try, but the I don't know. Sometimes it feels like it makes them target me even more, and there's more of them than me. And the more this goes on after weeks and weeks... That's hard. I'm just feeling it's like hyper-vigilant all the time, and I'm feeling kind of depressed and I don't know I was googling the symptoms on WebMD and they said that I've got post-traumatic stress disorder from bullying oh Wally I'm so sorry to hear that that's awful that's yeah like I said must be tough here let me get you some tea let me just pour you a little cup here and oh thank you sir you know who had PTSD from being bullied who sir you remember the old vice principal left at the start of the term it's kind oh of yeah a... this is not me saying this but a lot of people were saying he's kind of like a creepy little weirdo. The principal would say this all the time. I didn't really condone that kind of language, but that was what people were saying. Right. Yeah, the principal called him that a lot, a lot, a lot. And other people were saying it too. And I mean, he kind of is, but you shouldn't say it. But yeah, everyone in the teacher's lounge, they would be saying it and laughing and people would laugh at him. And we thought it was all kind of all in good fun. But apparently, yeah, he quit the job because of the bullying and harassment and filing suit against the school district claiming damages for the PTSD he suffered. So that's, so I'm just trying to take your mind off your own problems, or maybe you can relate to this old creepy wiener. Cause I mean, this bullying stuff, it really does damage to people spreading rumors about you, people talking behind other people's back. Oh, they're talking behind my back too. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't want to spill any of the other students' confidences, but Let's just say I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot. <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but I mean, everything you've heard and more worse double time, you wouldn't believe. But, you know, just ignore all of that. It doesn't matter. Like I said, they're little shits. Do you know anything about Darren or like his family or anything that I could use? Oh, should I? Just this once, you are in a tough spot and I have a lot of sympathy for the PTSD this stuff can cause. So... Hmm. There's actually a lot with Darren. I'm trying to decide what. Okay, one time when he was little, his sister dressed him up in a little sailor's outfit and called him Captain Dare Dare. He gets really mad when people call him that, like, really mad. But you didn't hear it from me. Thank you so much, sir. Captain Dare Dare? Captain Dare Dare. Yeah, it's like Darren, <laughs> but just Dare Dare. It's oh. like a cutesy little boy in a sailor's outfit. That's what you should imagine him as when you're saying it. Mr. T. Spiller, you're the best. Uh, Wally, thank you for saying that. Everyone loves Mr. T. Spiller. That's the word around that I hear about myself. Oh, and just because I'm noticing it as you're leaving, the way you walk is... It's a bit off. It's a bit weird. It's a bit, you know, just, I would just take a look at how other people walk and how yours is different. It's just something to think about. I don't mind. I think all walking is valid, but. Okay, Mr. T. Spiller. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, I'll see you later. Bye now. Hello, Mr. T. Spiller's office. Hi, Mr. T. Spiller. It's the principal. Principal, what can I do for you? I just wanted to check in with you. I just wanted to be 100% that yesterday... When I was talking about the lawsuit that's facing the school right now, that was in confidence. Oh, of course. Okay, thank God. Well, I knew I could trust you, Mr. T. Spiller, but yeah, I, would I just wanted to double check because sometimes I can get a little carried away when we're talking in our sessions. And that is strictly confidential. It's a legal matter. It could get the school into a lot of trouble if it gets out. I just want to reassure you that I have the utmost respect for everything you say during our sessions. And you can rest assured... If this gets out, it did not come from me. 
Thank you, Mr. T. Spiller. There's a reason everyone loves you. Yeah, they do. And there is a reason. Okay, well, check in your staff mailbox, because all of us got together and, well, we got you something. Oh, you didn't have to. Oh, that's so nice. Oh. Did everyone pitch in for that, or was anyone? Oh, Miss Robinson, she only put in five. Well, you know. You know her. Yeah, I wonder what that's about. Jealousy. Jealousy, yeah. yeah. She's a drama queen, pure and simple. All right, well, thank you so much for calling. I do have another session coming up, so. Right, yeah, thank you for keeping the school secrets. There should be a lot of legal and financial consequences if that got out, but I'm glad I can trust you, and I'll have to, if that gets out, look to some sort of other source for that. Okay, bye, I love you, like everyone does, bye. Bye, I acknowledge your love. And so, Wally told everyone about Little Dare Dare, and Darren's time in a sailor suit. And soon enough, everyone was bullying Darren instead of Wally. And Darren was the one showing up at Mr. T. Spiller's office with a black eye. Wally always remembered Mr. T. Spiller as the only adult who really cared. Mr. T. Spiller went on to become an advocate for bullying victims, doing a PTSD awareness campaign that caught the eye of the mayor, who awarded him Citizen of the Year. Thank you so much, Mr. T. Spiller, for all of your important work. Here is the key to the city. When you think of like the prototypical bully, for me anyway, I'm picturing maybe like a 14-year-old boy who's like bigger than the other kids. Takes their lunch money. Yeah, takes lunch money, likes to like sneer at them, maybe like put the head in the toilet and flush the toilet or pull the back of the underwear up, wedgie, swirlies and wedgies. Yeah, that's some more classic bullying trope kind of stuff. Classic bullying. He might be a kid who plays sports, like a jock yeah, there's versus like nerd the popular thing. popular bully, but then there's also the outcast bully who's yeah. also a, like not well-liked. Yeah, wrong side of the tracks, rules through intimidation kind of kid, respected for reasons of fear and not because of kinship. Right. Versus the jock sort of bully who's like everyone's favorite star athlete. He's the prom king and everyone, he's getting scholarships. He's going to be a Supreme Court justice someday. But then he also like chases down the kids who play D&D to raise their underwear too high and dip their head in the poo bowl. When you said raise the underwear, I was thinking of raising it up the flagpole as a way of humiliation. Tie them to a post naked or something. Oh, yeah, that's intense. That's what the culture was like. That's bullying going too far, I would say. (laughs) Yeah. If I was a conservative who, you know, there's like the conservative, like, defense of childhood bullying that it, like, toughens you up and stuff. I feel like even they would say. Kids don't get bullied enough these days. Tied naked to a pole would be They need to be tied naked to a pole. (laughs) (laughs) That's like sexual harassment in our common sense, kind of. It's not illegal to insult someone, but it would be illegal to tie someone naked to a pole at any age. And for good reason. Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine if just tying someone naked to a pole was given the legal weight of like jaywalking? (laughs) (laughs) You just get like a, maybe a ticket, maybe not at the cop's discretion. Yeah. You get a ticket, but like it's up to the cops who see it happening. If they're just like, they might be busy. Yeah. It's justified or our resources are too stretched right now, you know, or I'm one of the good cops. I'm not going to, be right. over-criminalizing this normal human behavior, tying your enemies naked up to public poles. That's like the archetype, the high school movie, or like kids' TV show bully. Yeah. My experience of bullies in real life high school 
was kind of similar to that in certain ways, but definitely less extreme. More just like saying mean things sometimes. Maybe a bit of like physical like pushing or like just I'm thinking of like there was one kid in my school who got bullied a lot. And I feel like it was mostly just jeers and jokes at their expense in front of the class or in front of other kids. Yeah, the runt. Yeah, exactly the right archetype. Yeah. And yeah, not a lot of like really intense things like from movies or anything, which I guess is better than that happening. I remember this sort of like dynamic between the people who fluctuated between bullying and being bullied. Kids who they could get in with like the cooler kids if they were putting aggression outwards, whereas they would also sometimes be bullied. I also knew from outside of school kids that were like territorial bully fuck you up and take your Pokemon cards kind of kids who lived in my neighborhood. Oh, yeah, I never noticed that either. The neighborhood bully. I knew some neighborhood bullies who stole from me, I fought with. Like, I look back on it, though, and it's like, I think I was a kid who took part in all three roles of the bullying trichotomy. I think there was context where I was bullied, and I think there was also context where I participated in bullying. I think I was, at least for parts of my childhood, one of those kids who would sometimes bully and sometimes be bullied. I can think of instances where my friend group was pretty mean to people who were trying to become friends with us that we didn't want to be friends with us. And I could see some of those things that happened as bullying. One person in particular, definitely audience stuff, like with that one kid I mentioned at school who was bullied all the time. I used to bully my little brother a fair amount. Yeah, I used to bully my little sister. Right. And actually, I would send a message to kids around bullying. I think the biggest issue with bullying when you're a kid, participating in bullying is like something you'll feel bad about someday. So like, be careful. I wish I understood that when I was a kid. Like, like I love my sister. She's important to me. The thought that I could harm her as a child, as a child also, bothers me. No, me too. Definitely. But you didn't face any like personalized dogpiling bullying in your life. No. I also didn't remember there being a lot of jock bullies at my school. I felt like my school was pretty small. There wasn't like a lot of people there to begin with. And it felt like most of the people who played sports were, I just didn't see them interact with anyone. I felt like most of the people who were bullying people were like the bad kids. And then I had like a small group of friends who we played music and kind of interacted with different groups on various levels, but not, no, I never felt like singled out. I never felt like attacked, like intentionally. I felt like ambience bullied by homophobia that existed with basically everybody, but nobody knew that I was gay. So it wasn't like intentionally targeted at me, which I feel like it feels like it is anyway, kind of, but it's not the same thing, I don't think, as if people had picked me out as gay and like made fun of me for that. I feel like that would have been way worse than it was. There's a continuity between the logic of bullying and the logic of supremacy and like interpersonal domination. Absolutely. Like when someone is transphobic, misogynistic, racist, homophobic, ableist, these sort of dominant supremacist 
ideas just sort of like scatter out this ambient bullying through them. Yeah, well, I think like two of the key parts of bullying are having a power differential between the people like, you know, your classic school bully is bigger than the other kids or more popular than the other kids or in some way has power over other kids. If you think about workplace bullying, a lot of the time it's like down the chain of command, maybe not in every instance, but in most instances, I think bullying has a power differential. And it also has this aspect of you can't just walk away from like if someone on the street randomly starts calling you ugly and like is really insistent about it and like following you all the time just call it (laughs) starts insulting you or whatever you can just walk away and never see that person again probably but when you're in school you're kind of trapped there with the bully if you're in workplace you're kind of trapped there with the bully yeah there's other types of ways to be like trapped in situations where you have to see what your bully says and i feel like yeah when we're talking about these historical logics of oppression and supremacy that run through our culture both of those elements are there in a way in that there's obvious power differentials people talk about that all the time that in white supremacist society People coded as white will have power over people who aren't white. Cis, hetero, patriarchy, straight white men have more social capital power than other people. So there's this reinforcing of those power differentials. And there's this element of being unable to escape it because it's the hegemonic values of society that are being reinforced. Right, and like it's things it's, about the person, people's unchangeable characteristics that are the targets of this abuse. So you don't have the option to leave being black in a white supremacist society. Yeah, you can't just not be gay anymore or not be trans if you're trans or not be disabled if you're disabled. Taylor Swift said no amount of shade made anyone less gay. She's talking about this. <laughs> Exactly. And I mean, even the things you think as kind of traditional bullying, like we bumped up against this in the beginning sketch, like bullying you for being ugly on stage, like beauty standards. And what, is there an ism word for looksism or something? But there's a type of like power differential. And it's, I feel like these things are all very intertwined. And like a lot of childhood bullying happens over things like being gay or too effeminate for men or being too masculine for girls. Oh, yeah, shit. That reminds me. I grew up in a very white city and there was one black kid at our school who definitely got bullied for his race. I remember also after 9-11, there were like a few Sikh kids in my grade and the grade below, and they received Islamophobic abuse on the playground as a result of being part of a religion that wears a similar but different head wrapping to Muslim people. Right. Bullying uses the logic of the surrounding society. So if you live in a hierarchically stratified supremacist society, the interpersonal logic of domination and bullying is going to pick and choose from the outside world. Oh, it's after 9-11, Islamophobia, or or society's homophobic. I'm going to call everyone I don't like gay. Right. Yeah, I wonder if in a theoretical future utopian society, but like the more realistic kind of utopian society where everything isn't perfect, but it's kind of as good as it could be, whether there would be bullying over the values of that society. Like, you know, you make fun of people for being bad custodians of the items they're taking out of the great library, even if they aren't. It's just you kind of accuse people of that. (laughs) Uh, I think probably yes. So part of it is cultural, but it's built on this sort of bedrock of complex emergent social things. Like 
So I'm not saying that people are inherently bullies, and I think that it's actually not the case. And I think bullying could be abolished through cultural analysis. Like the things that we'd want to abolish about bullying could be fully abolished if we set out to it. I think there are aspects of the sort of bullying cloud of all the different things associated with bullying that you couldn't get rid of and you actually wouldn't want to get rid of, but they're key components of bullying, but can be applied in other contexts. So like to give an example, I think like social ostracization is not something I'm willing to condemn as full-throatedly as bullying, although social ostracization is a key part of bullying. To some degree, I think social ostracization must be retained. Humans have a deep drive to try to like participate in the co-creation of their community, and social ostracization is an extreme example of that on a spectrum. I don't know, maybe you could abolish social ostracization altogether, but free association also means freedom to not associate. And unless you have a mechanism to like pick people up like with a claw machine and drop them somewhere else so they leave some people alone, there needs to be some degree of how do we navigate the social space of making people leave or having people tell you that they want you to leave. I can imagine versions of social ostracization that I don't think are bullying at all. Like, like I mean, on the basic level of like not wanting to personally associate with someone for whatever reason, I feel like that's just kind of basic setting personal boundaries like, hey, we don't mesh that well. Like, however, people communicate and set boundaries of maybe more often just like ghosting and hoping they get the message, which maybe isn't the best, most productive way to do it. But I feel like there's productive, direct ways that people can set those kinds of boundaries, uh, especially if there's somewhere else for them to go. Like, the, you know, if you want to ostracize someone from your community, if they're not going to be thrown to the woods with no access to resources ever again. There's other communities that exist. And and if not, then there's resources available, that kind of thing. Then I feel like it's less tense or less like, I don't know, it's always going to be tense. Like if you're trying to set social boundaries and people are falling outside of them and you're ostracizing people. But I think there's non-sadistic ways to do that. I feel like sadism and like taking pleasure in seeing other people suffer is a major part of bullying. Kind of like a key component, I think. You know, just like when you see someone who just like annoys you and you just want to say something mean about them and then see them hurt and it makes you smile. Like that's... <laughs> that old feeling. That old feeling. <laughs> <laughs> because you're self-righteous and fuck that person for whatever reason. And I can have a lot more sympathy for that impulse when the reason isn't like, oh, they're different from what the dominant society says, but you know, they're cruel or they're whatever, like a good reason to want to see someone suffer. I think that's a key component. And it's like a part of a human emotion that I don't think is going to go away. Though maybe we could direct it in ways that are more playful. And I don't even know if this is true, but people say shit about sports being like war, like turning war into something that isn't killing and it's more just like right like fighting out in teams we need like an institutionalized the dozens where you do yo mama jokes back and forth in an organized <laughs> context yeah like roasts or like yeah just thinking to like my experience as a an adult and not a child around bullying like 
roasting is so fun and so funny and like sometimes you'll get a group of people together and you're all poking fun at each other in ways that are like comfortable boundary violations of like saying what you wouldn't usually say and like trying to be clever and like everyone's on board some of those contexts like i've just been laughing so hard at stuff that friend x said to friend y about dramatic incident x y or z and it's like blowing off steam and it's so beautiful. There's something really, really potent about that space, like really intimate. There's like a real bonding thing to it. But then also I've totally seen spaces like that where like it hits the wrong note, goes too far, or is about something someone's not ready to joke about, or like <laughs> maybe someone leaves the group chat for a while or like, yeah, yeah, no, I think there is something good there. There's this power in that space and there's a slight, there's enough power being thrown around in that space. Like it's all fun and games, right? But then sometimes there's like a containment leak and someone gets burned by it. And then, and it can also be a space where existing resentments come out in a way that actually is sort of like bullying, where you're just roasting, and, but it's actually just bullying, but you're only just roasting. Yeah, it's a delicate balance, and I think it can easily veer into bullying. And I think that's the reason why people will use just joking, just roasting you as like a defense against accusations that they're being a bully, like almost all the time. Like, oh, we're just mutually joking around. Like you can imagine the kid saying that when the teacher walks, hey, why are you making fun of him? No, no, we're just we're just roasting each other or like internet bullying. It's like, I'm just we're just all roasting each other. It's all fun and games. I was jogging through a book called Adult Bullying, 1997, which is a book about adult bullying written in the UK, but it had this huge section on childhood bullying. One of the things that one of the 90s studies, and I should say there's some problems with the book, kind of essentialist in some weird ways. I feel like in 1997, I was 10 and people were just like talking for the first time about like, people can be bullies as adults. Like I always thought of it as a purely child thing as a child. And I feel like that cultural understanding grew more as I grew up or maybe I just became more aware of it and people always thought of it that way. But I think you're right. I think Adult Bullying 1997 helped move that conversation. Right. <laughs> Labeling it by the year, not the author. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's what I wrote in my notes, Adult Bullying 1997. Someone asked me what I was doing the other day. I'm like, ah, I'm just reading Adult Bullying 1997. <laughs> we went really far off what I was responding to. But the children who were themselves being bullied told the teachers were just joking around when they're clearly being bullied. Because a lot of the time, children who are being bullied rely on the bullies for friendship also. The bullied, despite often suffering from like emotional issues or like GI issues from the stress and stuff, like even these are kids who like have stomach aches all the time because they're so socially afraid of the context of their school. They would also tell the teachers that they're just joking. Like they don't want to be tattling or turning on them. They want to like win them over or maintain whatever social connection that they have. That was one of the interesting things that came up in the child bullying section of adult bullying 1997. I feel like also just not wanting to admit, it being embarrassing to admit to a teacher that you're being bullied and be less embarrassing to pretend that it's all good and we're just mutually ribbon here. Two equally powered, you know, titans. <laughs> and maybe even you it. hope that the bully will be grateful to you for not ratting them out and maybe they'll be nicer to you. I could see a lot of that kind of playing yeah. out. Another interesting thing from Adult Bullying 1997 on childhood bullying, 
so in these schools, there's a great deal of support for the victims of bullying on an ideological level. You know, there's posters up around, you know, bullying is wrong and stuff. And the kids, when asked, they say that they don't like bullying, that they are against bullying, that they stand up to bullying and stuff, because that's the cultural context. But then in practice, when it came to real examples of children actually bullying each other, the audience, so there's the bully, the bullied, and the audience, the audience kids they would explain why the kid was being bullied in terms of like justice. Like they're being attacked for who they are, basically. Yeah. Which I, is natural. Yeah. I feel like I heard a lot of it. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, but you shouldn't do that. But like, look at him. Or he's like, well, he's, a, he's a little know. wiener, this kid. He just, <laughs> I mean, he kind of brings it on himself the way he's brings like, it on himself. Yeah, yeah. The way you're yelling. And it's also more comfortable for an audience to pretend that, oh, this is just a mutual drama. Two equal figures flinging shit at each other, or one of them is just so bad for reasons of whatever, being too weird to this, to that, that they deserve it. So it's, again, it's mutual in some way. Another interesting thing from the book is at the beginning of the year, I think it was 22% of children reported they were bullied. But by the end of the year, the amount of kids that reported being bullied had went down to, I think it was like 14%. I think it was nine. I think I saw this. 9%? Oh, it went down by 14%. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 22% are targeted by victimization at the start of the year, and it's down to 8% being targeted by the end of the year. The implicit narrative that we could take from that is that children who engage in bullying are whittling down which kids they continue to bully based on the reactions that they get. Two-thirds of the kids who are bullied at the start of the year react to being bullied in such a way that the bullying stops, and about one-third of kids react in such a way that it creates this, this twisted complementarity. I think... If you're searching for this feeling of superiority by putting other people down, they're a loser, I'm a winner. Yeah, certain kind of reactions just don't give you that feeling. And it's often going to be people who have difficulty managing their reactions for various reasons. Like if you're targeting them for something that's really close or like emotionally resonant, they could react in ways that are more extreme. If they're autistic or neurodivergent in other ways and don't like respond in ways that are typical of most kids like that can snowball it and make it easier to continue bullying them but if like you say something mean to someone and they're very socially aware and on the ball and don't have a big emotional reaction and it's like you're not getting what you want out of that so you kind of just stop and pick on the other kids David Graeber has a really interesting piece, The Bully's Pulpit on the Elementary Structure of Domination. And one of the arguments he makes in that piece is that sort of our, our commonsensical moral universe, he argues, is shaped to a great degree by our personal primordial experiences of being bullied or bullying or being a witness to bullying as we grow up. And that that translates into our desire, even as adults, to say like both sides are guilty when there's conflict or to treat interpersonal conflict that might have a power imbalance as something that's like a, an infection that if you interact with, like it will overtake you. So then people take this like bystander strategy or like push it away from me strategy, even if it means sort of like letting the bullied be tormented because you don't want to bring it on yourself or you don't want to be brought into it. I saw in the notes, I can't remember which book this was from. I think it said something like 85% of bullying incidences happen in front of an audience. Yeah, I think that was one of the stats from adult bullying. 
Right. Yeah. And that was and in that the UK, I think, there. UK in the 90s is where that comes from. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That, like, because you can imagine the, like, only bullies you when no one else is looking. And, like, but even I was thinking about this, trying to think of situations where bullying is truly private. And I was like, okay, well, like, you could say, like, workplace bullying situation, the boss bullies you, but only when nobody else is around because they want plausible deniability. And that's kind of like private in a way, but it also is still recruiting other people in a different way of like putting you in this situation where nobody else sees what you're seeing. So you're crazy. That's like intense, like psychological bullying in a way, the way I'm imagining it, like almost like recruiting other people to gaslight by acting one way in front of other people. And, but yeah, I feel like in terms of most classic bullying, you think of any bullying I can think of in my life or it all happens in front of an audience with this like third party present that is almost always complicit. Here, I'll quote Graeber. This triangular dynamic among bully, victim, and audience is what I mean by the deep structure of bullying. It deserves to be analyzed in textbooks. Actually, it deserves to be set in giant neon letters everywhere. Bullying creates a moral dilemma in which the manner of the victim's reaction to an act of aggression can be used as retrospective justification for the original act of aggression itself. The ideal victim is not absolutely passive. The ideal victim is one who fights back in some way but does so ineffectively by flailing about, screaming or crying, threatening to tell their mother, pretending they're going to fight, and then running away. Doing so is precisely what makes it possible to create a moral drama in which the audience can tell itself the bully must in some sense be in the right. Welcome to Bloodsport Live Streamer Radio Theater. Okay, I'm getting the call. It's Crybaby Applesauce. All right, let's go. Answer Discord call. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. You're coming through. Yeah, so. How's it going? It's okay. You've been saying stuff about me on Twitter, I saw. There was a thread you posted mentioning my name. Like, I'm getting all these messages saying, like, Crybaby saying you bully people. Crybaby is saying that you're reinforcing this. You're doing that. Right. And I guess tell me what's up. Tell me what's wrong. Because from my perspective, I'm just out here fighting the good fight and you're coming after me and it kind of sucks. I want to talk maybe about where this is coming from. I totally get why you would feel personally about me using you as an example in these discussions. I'm sorry for that. Anyways, I think you're a good example of something I've been talking about and thinking about recently on my streams. I think that there's a sort of like a sadism problem in online left spaces. There's like a power dynamic problem where people are reenacting these childhood dramas of bullying on other people. If you're far from the only person doing this, it's not that personal. It's just that you're a good example of some of these dynamics. The way that you debate and the way that you do stuff on Twitter, it's a good example of what I'm thinking of. And you don't think you're doing the same thing to me right now by basically saying I'm this horrible person who does all this stuff? Right. Yeah, no. Because you started off apologizing to me and then you just kind of did it again right after saying I'm such a good example of this horrible thing. Right. No, I am criticizing you. Right. So you are saying I'm like a horrible bully and you're not really separate, apologizing yeah. for that. You engage in bullying. But is bully a noun? Does it apply to the whole of your humanity? No, I don't mean to say that. Does it apply to the whole of anyone's humanity or? Probably not. Maybe. Okay. Probably so it's... Not. How can I put this? It's not that personal. I think it is more of like using it as an example in the context of society. You notice in mainstream society, there's a lot of cruelty 
in the way that people treat each other, there's this valorization of winners and this hatred of losers in popular culture. If you watch reality TV, it's incredibly cruel spectacles of like turning people against each other. The dominant society is one where people side with the aggressors because they're strong. It's a cultural thing. And it's something that sort of starts in childhood for people and it infects every sort of aspect of our neoliberal society. It's a sort of like theater of cruelty where there's this constant game of cruelty that we enact those things in our communities as leftists sometimes. And because you're a very prominent example, I used you as the example, but it's not personal in the sense that you contain multitudes and I respect that we could have a difference of opinion here and it doesn't reflect whether or not you get into heaven. I don't mean to judge whether or not you get into heaven. I do have some criticisms that are related to this cultural critique and I could get into some of it with examples. Or Look, okay. How do you see this from your perspective when you're being so critical and combative and dogpiling and being spectacularly cruel to public figures as a means of engaging in social media. Oh, God, I let you talk for way too long. There's so much here to untangle. Okay, first of all, I agree that we live in a kind of cruel culture. People are acting and reenacting their traumas on one another, their childhood dynamics that they learned, that kind of competition of capitalist society, of white supremacist, heteronormative patriarchal dominant values has created a very cruel culture. Obviously, I'm against that. You're against that. That's what being on the left is about. But it is the world that we live in right now. And discourse of greater society is based on, as you say, who's perceived as the winners, the losers. And if we don't turn ourselves as the left into the winners, then we're going to be the losers. So I'm just meeting them on their turf. And I am beating back the people who aren't on the left with their own tools to win for us, for us all. The problem I have is that I'm doing this fighting off people who aren't really leftists. I just go after right-wing people and, you know, secret right-wing people in leftist movements. You, on the other hand, are coming after me. You're coming after other leftists. You're causing infighting. You are doing the same thing to me, basically, as you're accusing me of doing to right-wing people, but you're couching it in a way where you're wording it as nice as you possibly can and letting the people who watch your stream do the dirty work of actually saying the mean, cruel things or whatever. I'm trying to be as nice as I can. I really... Right. And that, that's the problem because you have unnice things to say about me. So just say the unnice thing. Just be cruel. Be a dick to me and let's fight it out. If we're going to fight it out, don't pretend we're not fighting it out. Right. It's the society we live in. It's like an example. It's a synecdoche. We're engaging in this conversation in different ways and we both want to advance our position. Your tendency is to be more aggressive and mine is to be a little bit more passive and maybe even self-effacing to do it. And then... Yeah, to cover up your aggression right. but with you're telling your me passive to, aggressive. But yeah. why are you telling me to not do that? You're telling me to not do that, I think, because you're afraid that not being aggressive might, for lack of a better term, win the conversation. So you want me to go to your level so I can lose on your terms. And this is just like a metaphorical of what you're doing with the system is that they're enticing you into fighting on their terms, but if you took a different strategy, you might be able to really win. No, 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 no. I just think it's wienerish and- I'm wienerish. You're being so slimy and it's just dishonest. I'm not slimy. Say it with your whole chest. Speak what's on your mind. 
it's really all this like, oh, but I don't mean anything bad about you. It's horrible. Just stop. You're doing an impression of my voice. No, that's just a generalized wiener voice. It wasn't you. If you sound like that, it's not my fault. You're doing it again. You're just saying, oh, he's someone who does all these horrible things. I have these concerns, and these concerns aren't about you, and I wonder what you would think about them, which is that these sort of like aggressive types of interacting, it causes post-traumatic stress disorder for people who are like targeted by a lot of cruelty. Do you ever worry that you could get that from engaging in intensive... Yeah, I feel like I'm getting it from this, from your passive aggressiveness, and then the ripple effects out from it from people who are aggressive based on the implication of what you're saying that you're not fully saying. What do you think I'm not really saying? It's not so much what you're not saying. It's how you're not saying it. It's just indirect. You're claiming that you're bullying people based... You're claiming, I'm claiming that... that we're both bullying people, but... I'm doing it directly, and you're doing it in an indirect, right. wienerish, so cry-bully way. Cry-baby is your name. You're being but. honest, and I'm being dishonest because I'm not willing to... Admit that you're bullying when you're bullying. Yeah, I don't mean to bully. Then just don't talk about me. Don't well, use me as an example. If you even want to talk about these trends or whatever, you can do that. And maybe even include some paragraphs about yourself. I guess I could allude to you, but like not use your name. If you're going to mention me or mention anything around me or mention anything that people will associate me with at all, you might as well just say my name and say it in the most cruel way possible. That's more honest, and we can just hash it out. I hope you don't feel deprecated personally. It's more using you as an example to make a bigger point that I think is important. I do feel deprecated. That's the point. Oh, I just have a concern about the... All oh, these so being direct means just... using certain words, speaking in a certain... Like I'm yeah, trying to think not of what talking are around things, but talking directly through things. I use just the way I talk, uh, the way I was raised. I can try to be more, da, 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 you know, like, I don't know, but... Yeah, just tell me what you think I'm like. You have a lot of complex features because you're a human being, Ugh, but God. I have noticed in particular... I mean, I have to be honest. Everybody has complex features because they're a human being. Yes, just and like it's worth talk. centering that when we're talking about the whole of someone's humanity. No, it's boring. It's beside the point. It's taken for granted. It's distracting. You're putting it in front of what you're saying to soften what you want to say because you want to say it without me getting mad at you. Just let me get mad at you. Let's get mad at each other. We'll work it out. I think there's more and less aggressive ways to get things across in different contexts. But if I have to be really aggressive, I think that you participate in social sadism in public. You do cruel things. I am cruel a sadist, things. according to you. I'm a cruel it's not really sadist. An you think I'm a cruel sadist. I'm not saying you're a sadist. I'm not saying you're a bully. I'm saying you engage in processes in public uh, that are... Yeah, you're doing it again. Cruel sadist is the... What's this common sense of that you become something... Look, we all know calling someone a cruel sadist is shorthand for their engaging in behavior, but this is the directness I'm talking about. Fewer words, just... You are a bully and a sadist. Thank the you. way that you act online... Or said too much words there. I need to talk about who you are at your soul. You're a bully and a sadist, and you're setting a bad example for kids. You're profiting off of the pain of others. You're deliberately trying to inflict pain on people to watch their reaction to get power from it. You target people based on their unchosen characteristics. For example, calling me a wiener. And you're oversensitive to criticism. Well, okay. I mean, that's all wrong, but the last one is the most wrong. I'm cruel, but I'm only cruel to the right people. And I do it to help build the better cruelty future of tomorrow. Do you trust everyone we to need judge one last who to major cruel righteous cruelty against the most cruel to abolish cruelness? 
I think cruelty can be a qualitatively dangerous, unstable thing in itself. I'm not trying to rule out like no one should ever be cruel, whatever, but being cruel as a personality trait or cruel as a tactic, it's not what we should be aiming at. I think you're wrong. And I think you're wrong. I think we just have to point it right. And I think in this conversation, you attacking me for being wiener-ish actually shows that you can't regulate who to oh, attack I think correctly. it was right to point it at you because you were acting wiener-ish. But you demonstrated to everyone who's sort of wiener-ish out there that there's something contemptible about being different from the norm, which is part of bullying. When I say wiener-ish, I mean emotionally manipulative. So. Okay, well, I really have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I should have peed before taking the call. Bye. Check out my channel, everyone. Bye. We'll see you next time for another episode of Bloodsport Live Streamer Radio Theater. So Tyler, the creator, has this viral tweet where he says, How the fuck is cyberbullying real? Just walk away from the screen. Just close your eyes. Yeah, no, it's a funny tweet. And it does hit on something. Like we mentioned, one of the key parts of bullying people mention is like, being unable to leave the situation. If someone walks up to you on the street and is mean to you, it's not the same thing as like being stuck in their workplace bullying, school place bullying type thing. But at the same time, I think that social media has been integrated into society and into people's lives in a really deep way. It's not the same thing as like deciding to walk away from someone once and then never having to see them again. It's like, never going to the mall in your city or like never going to the community center because there's someone there who's always <laughs> insulting you or whatever. Like it's like these are public spaces that people go to to socialize, to get information, to do all kinds of things. Like it's not as easy as just walking away. I mean, if there's like one person online who bullies you all the time, but you could just block them and they'll go away forever, then maybe, you know, like, there you go. You have a solution, block them. But if it's like a constant thing where you're being targeted by large groups of people. Or even just a like, few very motivated people. Yeah, who keep making new accounts or getting around the blocks and doing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or switching mediums, finding email, finding yeah. work or information. Or talking about you behind the block to other people if they have like, a decent sized following. Right. Yeah. Because bullying isn't just intimidating and taking people's lunch money. It can also be things like spreading vicious rumors. It can be trying to build coalitions against someone. So like, yeah, these things are to some degree public squares. And I'm not just talking about like Facebook and Twitter, but also like say Google results where like if someone's severely cyberbullying you online, they can get the biggest search engines in the world to be participants in the mobbing of you. That's almost a tier of bullying that's more intense than like someone who lives in your neighborhood who shouts things at you, you know, like when they're recruiting the audience of the entire world potentially to like denigrate someone. I think maybe for Tyler, the creator, for other people in some of these situations, they get a lot of online hate, but they also have a lot of online love. And so they're just like, it comes with the territory. You get people saying dumb shit and you get a lot of praise and you can just get rid of it by closing the app. And you have friends and family in your life. Lots of money to spend on whatever you want. Exactly. Like your you successful career. Yeah. In that context, I could see even like a moderately large amount of online hate being, you know, not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. You got your stands out there like 
holding the fort, defending you all the time. And it's like, okay, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to walk away. But if you're someone who had 300 followers on Twitter, kind of getting another 300. Wow. Like, you know, that's a lot better than all those like 50 follower Andy's. But then all of a sudden you're being blasted by someone with 100K followers, like a screenshot of your tweet with a nice little sassy comment. And then all the like people reinforcing and describing how bad it is, like frothing, getting them up, they find your account. Misinterpreting your intention and having this big argument with something that you didn't even mean to say. Suddenly you have 2,300 followers, but 2,000 of them are hate followers and they're combing through your old tweets for more. Finding more examples of just the absurd idiocy of your existence to make a laughing stock in front of a growing, frothing pile of audience members slash bully hybrids. The structure of Twitter is incentivizing this type of interaction because people will quote tweet you to respond to what you're saying in a disparaging way and it shows up in your notifications. And it's just one click to get from that quote tweet to you to anyone who wants to give you their two cents. Finding your other accounts on social media and messaging you there, etc, etc. Just close your eyes. Just go outside. It's a brand new vista of bullying that's opened up with these new tools at our disposal. The same tools that are sometimes used to miraculously fundraise a bunch of money for a cancer patient. The same right, tools right. that are sometimes used to lift people out of poverty. You know, they did some random act of kindness and everyone's like, oh, we got to help Jimbo who lives in Baltimore. And then like this one guy named Jimbo in Baltimore who used to live under a bridge is like now posting selfies in a suit being like, thank you, everyone. <laughs> I love those stories. I feel you get like one out of 20 maybe main characters that are like that. Maybe it's a little higher. I don't know. But I think it's a similar split to the news. Like the news will do a feel good story about a puppy now and then. But the Mm -hmm. vast majority of it is going to be like, yeah, horrible news. But you can avoid it. All you have to do is just quit the internet entirely and hope that people didn't research you deep enough that they like find your house or something. This sort of stuff, it's why I really don't like the stuff. Like sometimes you'll see people say like, oh, bullying works or like we need to bully the powerful more. And like using the bully language to talk about political advocacy is like a internet lefty kind of like meme that you see sometimes. Right. If we all bully Nancy Pelosi enough, then she'll cancel the student debt. There's a couple issues with that. One of which is like, I think we should keep bullying in a category of something that we don't want to do rhetorically and definitionally for pragmatic purposes. If you're out there being like, yeah, us socialists, something great about us is we always bully a lot and it gets things done. It's not a good rhetorical strategy. Like that is literally the rhetorical strategy that opponents of the left came up with to describe the left. So then we're not only confusing people about what the left does and what it's fighting for, but we're actually confusing young and new leftists as to what the tools they have at their disposal are in order to make that change. Like bullying is a big sphere and activism is a big sphere. And the place where they intersect, where you could find some beneficial activist thing to do that also kind of looks like bullying is so small compared to the entire sort of pie of political activism. I think the idea would be that like one of those things where it's kind of like, oh, we're going to get accused of it anyway. So like, okay, yeah, we can have this high minded description of bullying 
bullying where like because Nancy Pelosi is more powerful than us and if we avoid punching on her for reasons of like for being a woman or we only punch up at her for being a powerful politician like I could see people saying that what we do on the show in our sketches all the time making fun of conservatives and conservative ideas as being bullying and we should just own it and say that we're bullies but we bully the right people that's my steel man of it and yeah as you were talking i was getting a little like oh no are people are gonna think we're hypocrites for so clearly bullying people all the time but <laughs> bullying all the hierarchists bullying the bosses we're constantly bullying the poor bosses and landlords we now go to aaron and sean bullying elon musk Hey, Elon, why don't you treat your workers better? Why don't you stop union busting? Pull his underwear up really high. <laughs> yeah, how's that feel, Elon? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty uncomfortable, isn't it? But you're the richest man in the world. So you have enormous social power. So if someone was critiquing you, that wouldn't be bullying. It is possible sort of to bully you. Like in this context, we've somehow pinned you down, taken you away from your entourage and sort of pulling on your underwear. And even though we're relatively socially powerless in other contexts, we did manage to find a context where we could legitimately bully you. And that's what we're doing. You know, two people can overpower one. Your entire security team thinks you're somewhere else. So we, we kind of got you under our feet here. And, you know, we're not going to hurt you badly. We're just going to kind of treat you like crap and... Uh, let's lift him upside down and pop his head in that toilet. Flush it. Give him a swirly. See, this is bullying. This is bullying. Social critique? That's not bullying. I mean, it's possible that it could verge into bullying territory. If it's cruelty aimed at getting an emotional reaction from the target or leans into sexism, racism, ableism to make the critiques, like, or trashing someone outright without explanation, that sort of stuff isn't useful, could be called bullying, especially if it's a whole crowd. But probably more so if you're less powerful than if you're the richest man in the world, Elon Musk. But if someone was doing like a little comedy bit where they pretended to flush your head in the toilet, here, can you flush the toilet? Yeah. If someone was doing that in imagination land for comedy, that really wouldn't be bullying. That would be more like a satirical critique if you're understanding the distinctions here, Elon. I mean, this is just a sketch and we're not actually doing this. If we were doing this, it would be bullying, but pretending to do it is not bullying. If we were pretending to do this to like some person who had no power, just like a random high school kid like we pick their name and picture and like right. put them on blast picking out things about the way they dress and then like blasting it to all their high school friends like mm -hmm. on our show that would be bullying because we'd have way more power than that kid but you elon like it's pretty unfeasible that it could happen so i don't even think we're encouraging it to happen by joking about it like this. give me some stock dipstick come on hand over your stock Give me some stock in a company that isn't your company, honestly. That's what I'd prefer because, you know, it's pretty volatile. To your stock. Bad stuff. You, you need know. to put someone smarter in charge over there. Less of a wimp. Here, let's parade him out of the bathroom and uh, tie him naked to the pole out front. Oh, yeah. Not just lift the, the underwear up the pole, but tie him. Why not? Hey, Strip it's a fake down sketch. And wrap and... Him up. It's a fake sketch. Let's get some hardcore 1980s style bullying done. TV show like bullying. Elon, some people would think this takes bullying too far. But since you're so rich and powerful, and you're also a political advocate for the maintenance and expansion of your own power, like all extremely rich people, we think it's appropriate because you're a big twerp and a dipstick and a wiener and a loser. 
Wow, look at you. You look so pathetic here, tied up naked to the flagpole. That is hilarious. Oh, uh, you're trying to point and laugh. Oh, yeah, it's a whole big crowd showing up now. Uh, yeah. Oh, and it's even the newspapers here. They're flashing cameras. Oh, they want to take a picture of you tied up naked to a pole, Elon, to put in the newspaper. And I just spoke to one of the editors. They said they want to give us an op-ed to explain how this wasn't bullying. We're going to be writing an anti-bullying op-ed using this as an example. Yeah, that's how much not bullying this is. What we're doing here is really more of a, a social critique by way of satire. Oh, the police are here. Oh, hello, officer. Yeah, we're just doing a bit of bullying, you know. Boys will be boys. He's a bit of a twerp anyway, right? Yeah, look, just look at him. He must deserve it somehow, right, sir? Yeah, okay, bye, officer. Thank bye. you. Yeah, maybe it's like we all know it's wrong and like you shouldn't do it. And sometimes you really shouldn't do it. Most of the time you really shouldn't do it. And you should never do it. But sometimes <laughs> <laughs> just as a little pepper, a little spice, a little hot sauce on the side, you shouldn't. But I don't think what we do is like cruel bullying for the most part. But I know that in terms of public discourse and like making the point that leftists aren't these horrible bullies, which they're kind of perceived as a lot of the time online for a lot of the time, not doing any of the things you just said, like not attacking people personally, but just for making points about if you don't support this law, you're attacking trans people. Or if you do support this law, usually it's a bad law. A really good discoursey example right now is how okay is it to be mean to J.K. Rowling and how mean? Because depending on which side of the discourse you're on, she's either a woman that the left has decided to devour and one of their own, a feminist. <laughs> They'll just attack anyone these days, even the people they're sworn to protect, feminist women. These horrible bullies ran out of people to they had to like started bullying their <laughs> they themselves. They ran out of real racists. <laughs> they had to move on to the innocent. <laughs> Whereas like when I read people being mean about JK Rowling, I find it funny and I wanna join in. <laughs> we just made a kind of mean I don't know if it was bullying. We said she had bad politics on the intro to the wrong town thing we just did. Is that bullying? I don't know. Like, maybe she could see a bullying that people keep implying that just because she had slave creatures, she, like, that reflects poorly. Like, it's just her fantasy world. Like, but I mean, like, my intuition is like, okay, like, that's weird. And then you have, like, trans killers in your new books and, like, all the shit you say directly on Twitter, like, getting more and more explicit every day, it seems. And being transphobic is bullying. She yeah, is yeah, yeah. participating in that cultural, cruel, sort of ambient bullying we were talking about earlier with homophobia and Islamophobia, for example. And she's a prominent public figure that's pushing for a political program against trans rights. So we could also frame it that she's the bully for that. And the pushback she gets are attempts to stand up to bullying. Right. So maybe the people saying that bullying is good are themselves confusing the reaction to bullying for bullying. So, like, one of the reasons it's so effective for bullies and abusive people to muddy the waters and claim mutual abuse or we're just bullying together, one of the reasons it's effective for bullies to do that kind of thing is because 
it is often hard to pull apart some of these more complicated dynamics. Even in law enforcement and trying to determine domestic abuse, it's not always easy to tell who has the power, who's the primary aggressor in those types of situations. I feel like in a lot of schoolyard bullying and workplace bullying, it's often more clear because there's like very clear power dynamics and children's social interactions usually aren't as complicated as adult ones. Yeah. Who really has the power in an online bullying drama matrix where you have, say, like one person who is a middle class or a rich streamer, it would seem they have the power, but then they're up against 5 million people who hate them. Right. <laughs> Will make their experience of the digital space, which is a major part of everyone's lives, be a fundamentally hostile one for months, years, or potentially forever. Something they couldn't do in return. I feel like sometimes online bullying is because it's like has this possibility for so much more scale and for all these different, it's almost like a different thing. It's like, I wouldn't say it's not bullying, but it's definitely like if there's childhood bullying and adult bullying as two categories that we've <laughs> discovered or mm -hmm. talked about, I would put them both under one type of interpersonal and like online bullying as being not a third branch on equal one of those two, but a second umbrella that there might be more subtypes in under as well. Something I wanted to say about the J.K. Rowling example I think that when we narrow the conversation too unnecessarily to the J.K. Rowling's, Elon Musk's of the world, we're talking about a very small, small group of people who could conceivably be in the tier of category we're talking about in terms of social power. And we have this tendency within debate culture towards using these extreme examples because they can help sometimes provide clarity. Like to use an extreme example can help create clarity on values and principles. But in this case, I feel like it's creating an ambiguity because the vast majority of people who are, will be targeted by these decentralized online sphere of bullying, this digital bullying thing, the vast majority of people who are on the receiving end of that aren't Bill Gates. They're like streamers and authors and, and video essayists. You know, they're, they're random kids on Twitter. And the tools and behavior and the tools and concepts that we use to attack the rich and powerful can be used also and will sort of inevitably be used also against other people. And these tools create psychological stress and damage to people, including post-traumatic stress disorder. I'd argue the vast majority of people who experience this sort of online shit get some degree of traumatized from it. And then the moral calculus is how much trauma are we willing to inflict in exchange for what amount of social progress? Can we determine what the ratio is and try to figure out what we're willing to accept and what we're not? And do we have reason to think that when these sort of comments go beyond the realm of mere critique and go into deeply personal trashing or bullying behavior, can we prove that that is really what's making the difference? Or is it possible to tone it down and use a different strategy? We should be honest with ourselves about this. Like, we should really try to figure out the truth there. Yeah, I think that's right, that it's not ultimately the best strategy. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't promote it. I was trying to steel man it. But I think the other aspect of this that might be useful to bring up in this conversation is that we're talking about, oh, is it strategic? Should we make the conscious, rational 
calculated choice to be bullies or the conscious calculated rational choice not to be bullies and go from there based on what works best because that's kind of attacking the rationale a lot of people use to defend bullying it makes sense but i think a lot of the time when people are bullying or participating in crowds where they're like one one hundredth of a bully they're not doing anything that bullying other than being sharply critical at a particular time or like, but even the more like blurty, like really personal, horrible line drawing, you're a bad person deep in your soul type comments. I think a lot of the time doesn't come from people strategizing out that they think this is the best way to advance their political goals. It's more of an emotional reaction. It's reactive. It's not decided on. I feel like most of the time where I've said really cutting things online have been the times when I wasn't even thinking about it that way. I was just like, oh, they said something dumb. And it's like, don't you think this? And like, to you, it sounds like, don't you think this? But they're reading it in a list of other things being like, don't you like it reminds me of something I was thinking about. So like in adult bullying 1997, they give a list of all these different reasons why people bully, you know, the pleasure of watching someone else in pain or fear, the extortion of valued things, like for example, lunch money, the construction of coalitions or gaining the approval of an audience, being able to rise your social status by shitting on someone for an audience that rewards it somehow. But when I was thinking about the bullying that I remember participating in, there must have been some shot in fruit kind of like this person is annoying, so I slap them kind of thing, right? But the overwhelming feeling I have towards it, and especially thinking of times where I've done stuff I regret as an adult in that reactive way you're talking about, it felt like nothing. It wasn't until a moment after it became clear what it is. You know what I mean? You can be such a passive participant in bullying that you could even be the aggressor in a situation and feel passive while you're doing it. Or like you were talking about recently, the way that tit for tat accelerates and people can't match where each other's at. It's always an escalation. Unless you really think about it, it can feel like nothing instead of feeling like what it really is. And then you have to look back on it and feel bad about it if you're lucky. Yeah. But then also like there's <laughs> some of the things that piss me off the most online have been like recently with like libs of TikTok and like all the groomer discourse around kids. And like I was talking about ambient homophobia being the closest thing to bullying I experienced and like one of the big things I took away from that was how great it would have been to have adults in positions of power saying basic things like oh it's normal to be gay or trans or whatever and like I didn't have that so like seeing people like arguing that we shouldn't pisses me off <laughs> and I feel justified being mean to them <laughs> and yeah, it might not be that productive, but it's pretty cathartic, and I actually don't feel that bad about it <laughs> currently. Maybe I will in the future. I don't know, but... Sounds like they're the real bullies anyways. We now go to a Wrongtown News special report on the most bullied man in the world. Well, you've overcome a lot, and it's a pleasure to have you sitting here with me today to talk about being the most bullied man in the world. I was 
not shocked but saddened to read the news that a major report found that I was the most bullied man in the world. It's, yeah, the objective analysis. They looked at all of the major markers. They looked at the tone and content of bullying. They cross-referenced that with the raw data, and they found that you were the one getting the heat. You're the one getting the scorching hot heat. You're way more bullied than everyone else, it turns out. It's validating, honestly, because I felt more bullied, but everyone was saying, no, you're not bullied. It was like, felt like everyone was gaslighting you. They're like, oh, you're one of the richest people in the world. You have more employees than everyone. Right. You're the biggest landlord in Wrongtown. Biggest landlord in Wrongtown. And therefore, you can't be bullied. But it turns out that having more tenants, more employees just gives you more people with an opportunity to bully you. And that's what happened to me. All these people who I have no escape from in some sense. You have to have tenants to be a landlord. You have to have employees to right, be a Right, you're boss. trapped with them. I'm trapped with them. Even if I can fire some, I have to hire other ones. And if they're all just bullying me all the time, there's really no escape from it. And there's so many of them, and there's just one of me, and they're coming after me with things like, oh, you know, fix my broken fridge in a timely manner. I need to keep my food cold. And there are employees coming after me. You know what my employees did? They ganged up on me. They formed what they called a quote-unquote union, and then they started bullying me to pay them all, all of them more at once. They all wanted a raise together. You know what that would do to my pocketbook? I don't even want to think about what that would do to someone's pocketbook. It is so horrifyingly grotesque to imagine that kind of mutilation. A bunch of my tenants, I don't know if... No, no, you can say it. This is a safe space. We protect the victims of bullying here. You know, like when children are bullied because maybe personal pictures or like a poem they wrote or something that they wanted to keep private, diary entries gets passed around among right. all the bullies. We did that all the time when I was a kid. Yeah, it's cruel. It's cruel stuff. And you hope that it's not you. So you participate to yeah. make sure that you stay on the right side of that. And it's what happened to me. A bunch of my tenants uncovered some financial statements for all of my apartment buildings that I run and they got together and they said, oh, we crunched the numbers and you're making this much in profit, even on top of us paying your entire mortgage payments. And how come you get all this equity and we don't? And it seems like it's unfair and we think we should pay X amount in rent. And it was low. It was basically wiped out my profits entirely. That's absolute bullying. What if someone damages one of the units? And they're just passing around saying, oh, your financials, your financials. We've seen what's going on behind the curtain. I That's felt like, exposed. Yeah, I it's felt, like tearing the dress off of a woman in public. It's revenge porn, basically. I can't believe that in our town, someone is being bullied as harshly as you. And the strength, the courage to come out here with me and have this conversation. God bless you. You are a hero to the people. You are like our Christ. You are like the town's Christ. Oh, thank you. Being crucified for our sins. You mean it? I mean it. Thank well, you. this is real reporting. Thank you. I'm going to give you a raise. Thank you so much, sir. After the break, newborn drag shows. How young is too young for these transgender Marxists? Stay with us. Actually, one of the things in Adult Bullying 1997 they mentioned is that in their profile of the bully, perceiving slights when they aren't necessarily there and then retaliating against them, like that's one of their features that they just constantly think they're under attack right. and they have to like overpower those attacks in order to like stay whole. I mean, supremacist ideologies function like that too. The great replacement, white people are under attack, the 
groomers attacking children. Like the bully. <laughs> something perception of attack. Being yeah. under attack and then retaliating. Right. And at the same time, people who are legitimately being attacked are likely going to react as if they're being attacked. And there is a bit of a kind of determinism there. And I feel like having compassion for people who do lash out habitually for various reasons, but their hearts are in the right place, I think makes a lot of sense too. Sometimes I think people legitimately can't always help it. And like it is sometimes the wrong place to be putting the focus on people reacting to being bullied or being abused with behaviors that could be also considered a bullying or abusive or whatever. Like bullies feel like they're being targeted all the time, but the targets of bullies are being targeted all the time. So they might feel that way as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's complex to like litigate every detail of this and weigh out every concern, every potential possible context. But I think in general, it's a good principle that we should stay conscious of who the target of online criticism is and like qualitatively whether or not we push through into abusive commentary versus critical commentary. And I think there's a distinction there. Aiming it at prominent political advocates of harmful ideas who have social power is a little bit different than dogpiling some random person on Twitter who just happened to have a bad take or something like that. Yeah, the random 45-year-old soccer mom who's like, I think boys shouldn't play sports with girls. <laughs> and then, like, bad take, soccer mom, but like... <laughs> yeah, what would really get people going, the wokeness contradiction is the Twitter dogpile space, the biggest one, right? Yeah, like, if yeah, someone's yeah. saying that boys and girls should not play soccer together because over pontificated something something white supremacy something 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 colonialism it's like destroy destroy look at all the tweets what weird shit do they say yeah yeah no definitely because it's more unique than run-of-the-mill the thing i said are a dime a dozen tweets like that so it's yeah, hard to really get people sunglasses and a car profile them. picture and that sort of <laughs> eh, it's boring who's against cyberbully them that's sort of an interesting microcosm of like the way that these systems in practice, because they're reactive and not planned, they're not strategies, they're reactions. In practice, something like that would annoy me more to see and being like, whoa, this fucking weird misuse of anti-white supremacist ideas to argue for this weird gender essentialism. Like, uh, I'm quote tweeting. <laughs> Take my quote tweet out of the holster. Ain't enough room on this timeline for the both of us, partner. I feel nothing right now. I'm just responding. I just have a great idea to respond. It's just just a point. I just have a great point I just have to a make. Quick point. I need to make sure people have the context. So I'm quote tweeting. Yeah, I don't want to subtweet, so I'm gonna. We now go to two friends having a productive afternoon on Twitter. Hey, you scrolling Twitter there? Yeah, yeah, check Anything this out. Good? Yeah, this is extreme cringe, man. Look at this. Oh, yeah, that is extreme. Oh, I'm physically cringing. Yeah, I'm going to quote tweet this shit. This person is going down. Yeah, ratioed. me too. I'm screaming and crying and throwing myself against the wall. I feel like I'm having a stroke when I read this. It's true. It's so true. Yeah. We need to fund our public schools better. This is what Twitter brain rot does to a person. 
Look at that. Already three likes and two from people who don't even follow me. They just found me in the quote tweets. Nice. This is great. Who made this tweet? Do they have any other cringe? Oh, yeah. Start scrolling through the backlog. Look at that haircut. It's clown season. When the haircut matches the take. That's that's what I see when I say that. Oh, you should quote tweet that. That's deadly. Maybe I'll add it as another response to my... No, I'll do a second quote tweet. Yeah, fresh one. Fresh QT. It's all about reacting to the original tweet, not being part of a bigger discourse. Oh, yeah. I haven't even looked at any of the other replies yet. I don't want to steal anyone's ideas. Yeah, or be tainted by them. Yeah, exactly. So... And sometimes they'll do a follow-up tweet where they make it more complicated. And I'm like, no, I just really want to uh, I want to react right to this, the implication of this first one, you know? Or yeah, just... I find usually when they're doing follow-up tweets, they're just trying to weasel out of what they said the first time. Yeah, or just introduce some irrelevant bullshit to distract everyone from what they're really saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just learned better than to waste that many clicks. You expect me to read like... 800 tweets in order to get your full take why not just make your one tweet self-contained with the correct ideas yeah summarize it as a whole idea not with any weird potential implications that i can hop on which might not be even what you necessarily fully mean just like i want it set up in a way that's a lot more direct and a lot more simple yeah complete full ideas that you can't project anything on otherwise you're cringe it's actually really cringe yeah like what is this oh god one of their stands is in my replies trying to link me to stuff they've said six months ago g-a-l get a life that's what i say to these people let me start scrolling through their backlog for other good qts maybe i can find one no one else has qt'd yet a fresh bad take be the first one to hop on oh one of their stanzas they're saying that they're just 15 well who cares if they're just this is the internet it doesn't matter if i'm 38 and they're 15 oh yeah nazis are fine as long as they're 15 years old right that extreme is a useful thought experiment to determine the principle i appreciate that yeah i say if you don't qt 15 year olds with bad takes they're going to become 35 year olds with bad takes so gotta bully them early toughens them up and toughens up their brain and toughens up their takes to be good takes i feel a contempt for a lot of things on twitter but I don't feel contempt for that. Like if I could quote tweet, quote tweeting in general and make a dismissive comment about it, I wouldn't. That's how much I support quote tweeting. Another productive afternoon on Twitter. So yeah, bullying is a big concept that has like a lot of sub definitions and potential applications of it. Like we could talk about, you know, the schoolyard bullying context or even the workplace bullying context where you have a power difference and making an individual a target by a person or a group, harassing them and intimidating them. But if we wanted to have like a really expansionist definition of things that could be considered bullying, we could talk about like the systemic society-wide bullying where in a homophobic society, for example, or a racist society, you could call that bullying if you wanted the stuff that you see online these days of like dog piles and stuff. It feels more like bullying when they're like anonymous, random small accounts to me than if they're like big public figures. Yeah, the main character is just some rando with a bad take that day. So yeah, you could call all that bullying. You could also exclude, like I can imagine excluding most of that stuff from bullying and saying like, no, bullying is just this particular social dynamic, particularly among children. 
like let's make this definition really clean not deal with any of the ambiguities that arise from this expansionist definition yeah i feel like if you do that then you just kind of end up pushing it off into okay well what counts as harassment or what can like we need we're gonna need words to describe people behaving cruelly to one another in social situations and i think there's always gonna be ambiguities as to like who who is more cruel in this situation and, and like we can point to really clear examples where you know one kid is physically bigger richer cis white male like has all the the privilege points <laughs> you you can imagine a situation like that you can imagine situations with more complex dynamics like like someone's technically the manager at work or they're the shift supervisor so they have power at work but they're being bullied by the people under them they're being treated cruelly and like is that bullying because the power dynamics are different there there are a lot of ambiguities that arise anytime you're trying to adjudicate who's right and who's wrong yeah i I have a little bit of a social objection to the concept of like good bullying or bullying is good i think in part because i'm very sensitive to the use of like leftist rhetoric in ways that feel cruel or like borderline sociopathic where people are framing cruel interpersonal ways of interacting as leftist praxis bothers me to see that i think that in particular is like a bad thing to do because of how it reflects on the political project but also in in how it confuses people about like right and wrong and what we're trying to do i think much like violence where you can imagine situations where violence is justified the kind of interpersonal verbal violence of bullying you can imagine situations where it's justified but I still don't think we should lean into that whole hog and make that our praxis as a go-to in any situation. It feels more like a thing that might happen as a last resort in certain scenarios. But when you're talking about the means we want to use to build a better society, I really think means do have to at least somewhat match the ends. And I don't think the means of bullying are the way to go about it. And even if there's, again, vagueness between when does it become bullying, like you can lean more away from the cruelty, lean more away from the personal insults. And like if the good part of bullying is like drawing social lines, I I think a lot of those things can be achieved even without the cruelty. Like you can criticize people, you can draw those lines, you can define what is socially acceptable and what isn't without that another thing that comes to mind is maybe bullying is the bad deviation of something which is neutral and like the thing that's neutral is like social ostracization or like the process of a group standing up against an aggressor which is something that you know i think deeply felt all inside of us through millions of years of evolution somehow i think part of our human history has been groups coming together to stand up against an aggressor and that's part of the reason we're a social species So like maybe that's the thing and then bullying is the deviation of that where a community is coming together not to stand up to an aggressor but to side with the aggressor against the victim. Like maybe that's the main thing and then bullying is the deviation from it and we can just safely say bullying is wrong. I don't know. There's there's a bunch of different ways that we could talk and think about this. I don't know if there's any one right answer. Yeah. I think what you're saying is really right. It's a distortion or a version of that same 
idea that we need to stand up to stop maybe not the aggressor but the the person who's doing the bad thing uh and then there's like this like pro hegemonic version of it where the bad thing is to be a deviation from the norm so if you're a little weirdo or whatever <laughs> the the thing they want to tag you with or you're you don't have the right body shape for Jordan Peterson to think you belong on the swimsuit magazine that in itself is the thing that needs to be stood up against to to them. That like the sense of grievance that powerful people have when their hegemonic values are being challenged, I think, is often what gives rise to that cruelty. That like, like you see it all the time with like how fascists recruit nowadays is talking about the ways that straight people, white people, men etc are being victimized by the pushback against unjust <laughs> power hierarchies yeah you like you can see it in that jordan peterson tweet that he feels like he says it, it's authoritarian tolerance like i'm being bullied into yeah like accepting. He, he's in his imagination someone's pointing a gun at him and saying like Jordan, tell the people she's beautiful. And he's like, no, no, they're no. The, they're the bullies. He's standing up against them. He's like the one lone person who's willing to say, no, this is wrong. She is not beautiful. Everyone's standing up. <laughs> she's not beautiful. She's not beautiful. Yeah, and it's like the scene at the end of the movie where the bully's finally defeated in his mind. Yeah, so like, yeah, what I was saying about, like, it's a very value-laden judgment as to what counts as bullying or what's good bullying versus bad bullying, however you want to frame it, whether there's good versus bad bullying or not bullying versus bullying. It's going to depend a lot on how you parse out who the aggressors are in certain situations. And I think that like we can have some tolerance for people having different opinions on things like that. I think to some extent it's an opinion thing. But on the other hand, sometimes it's not an opinion thing and people just legitimately have distorted views of what's going on. Like it's not it's really not an attack on Jordan Peterson to have this woman on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, uh, and deeply and truly not an attack on Jordan Peterson. <laughs> just Yeah, like I'm pretty confident in just saying he's wrong about that one. Papa and boy. But Papa, what's bullying? Well, boy, bullying is a type of interpersonal aggression where someone with some type of power abuses that power to inflict pain on a subordinate target, who's often chosen for their reactivity. Usually people are bullied for things they can't change about themselves, like being poor, having a different religion, or walking weird. Sometimes groups will gang up on someone to bully someone because having superior numbers is a type of power. Bullying is a social phenomenon that's most clearly observed among children, but it also arises in workplaces, which is called workplace mobbing, or on the internet, which is called cyberbullying. To quote David Graeber, bullying creates a social drama where the victim's reaction to aggression is taken as a retrospective justification for that aggression. Oh, okay. So then, Papa, that means that bullying, it's always a kind of a straightforward unidirectional thing? Oh, no, 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 boy. There's actually a lot of things we can call bullying, and it gets a little bit confusing sometimes. For example, if one person's bullying another person, say, saying you, you walk weird, you're a weirdo, then a group of people might gang up to stop the bully and ostracize them for bullying. But then that process could arguably be called or interpreted as bullying. I mean, everyone agrees that, yes, we should stand up to bullies, but people often argue what the limits to that are or even who the original bully is in a situation like that. 
So accusations of bullying, they have this kind of dramatic quality, this partisan quality. They can be leveraged in interpersonal disputes, and they can even be used in the context of bullying. You can call someone a bully as a means to bully them. Oh, wow. Yeah, not only that, people who are trying to stand against bullying can actually go too far and start actually sort of bullying themselves, even if they're legitimately standing up to a bully who's targeting someone else. But also, conversely, sometimes when bullies are criticized in any way, they call that bullying. So we need to try to adjudicate these things and pick it apart as best we can in, in actual real context. It's not a very clear, non-ambiguous measuring stick. It's something we need to adjudicate. Right. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of gradients and contradictions, sub-distinctions within this definition, Papa. The term is confusing, and the use of bully is a noun to describe someone in there entirely, like, oh, they're just a bully. It's very reductive, and it can even be sort of aggressive in itself. So I prefer to think about bullying as a verb rather than a noun. Like, people can participate in bullying, and we all participate in it to some degree at some point in our lives. Well, but I'm worried about accidentally participating in bullying. Like, what, what can I do to make sure that I don't do that? That's a great question, and it's true. We can accidentally participate in bullying, and we often do. There's a few red flags for bullying, as far as I can tell. You could accidentally participate in something more malicious than you intend to. One is sadism, which is aiming to inflict pain and getting pleasure from intimidating people. That's something we should try to avoid if we can. Another part of what we could call bully culture is targeting people for unchangeable things about themselves or, or benign choices that make them different, like how they dress or walk. And there's also criticisms that aim to directly invalidate and degrade the person rather than provide correctives for socially disadvantageous behavior. You know, it's okay to issue a corrective or try to issue a corrective for behavior that's legitimately harmful, but just writing people off, especially criticizing them for things that they can't change about themselves, that could verge into the territory of bullying, something we should be careful around. Because ultimately, boy, we're all human. Uh, we all participate in this stuff to some degree. And if we stay conscious of it, then we can avoid inflicting pain on other people, which is something that I think we'd rather not do. Well, thanks, Papa. I feel like I have a good grounding on what bullying is. Good night. Good night, boy. I tipped my fatherly hat to you. Yeah, okay. I'm tipping the hat, and it's tipped. Now I raise it. Good night, boy. Papa and boy. Well, that's bullying. Wait, I don't think we've got to the bottom of it, per se. There's lots of questions still open, so... Questions are always going to be open, because, you know, you can open any question you want at any time. But I felt like it was the bottom. I felt like we answered every question. Maybe not always the right answers, but we did give answers to every question, at least one. I feel like there's still rocks left unturned, but it might be we answered these broad questions, but we weren't able to give sufficient caveats, counterexamples, and really explore all the nuances of every potential objection. I would just disagree that that's not getting to the bottom. I think that means nobody's ever gotten to the bottom of anything because to explore all possible nuances, etc., you just can't do it. I think we got to the bottom of it it may have been a narrow hole straight down to the bottom. We didn't go as wide as it could have exploring all the nuances, but... It's an interesting spatial metaphor. The, but the breadth of the information... Respectfully disagree. Not the depth. I think we had breadth, but not depth. I feel attacked. That's horrible of you to think that. So I don't want to be reactive to that feeling attacked. I just want to express my feelings to you. Disagreeing with me on this is like... feels like you're saying I'm 
horrible. Sean's the horrible one. You should physically bully him too, not just psychologically. You know what? They have a point. I'm not the bad one. You are. Fuck you, Sean. I wasn't bullying you. I was just uh, responding to you bullying. You, Guys, Sean. I'm wearing the victim Fuck mask. You, I am the bullied Fuck in this you, sketch. Fuck Remember? You, yeah, but Fuck you're asking you, for it. Fuck I gotta punish you, him for who he Fuck is. You, well, I guess if we create these kind of grooves in our cultural patterns where it's easy to do this, sometimes people with the victim mask on are going to get mistaked for the bad ones. And that's just going to happen. Ugly loser. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I'm not the best actor. I'm trying. This is my best bullying voice. Oh, I just started imagining the audience that's bullying you. They all have sunglasses on, sitting back while they're yelling at you. Makes them seem cooler. Yeah, that makes me think maybe they're right. They all have sunglasses on. Yeah, I mean, so many people couldn't be wrong. Yeah, either that or we're all just joking around here, and <laughs> it's totally fine, right, Sean? It doesn't bother you. It's all just jokes. Can we hit the um, everything's just a joke button? Yep. <laughs> just kidding, Sean. We love you. Just a joke. Just a joke. Just a joke. Oh, see, they are, it was just a joke. Yeah, for some reason this is all bouncing off me, but the the earlier stuff was really, <laughs> really convincing. Well, anyways, that's all the time we have this week. It looks like just looking at the enormous cartoon clock, which for this episode is five miles wide and five miles tall. It's just an unthinkably large clock. It's showing that we're running out of time uh, for this episode. So um, thanks for listening, everyone. And what do you think? Uh, sound off in our uh, comment section on YouTube if you want or send us an email, our Discord and stuff. We have a link in the description to the YouTube channel if you listen on the RSS feed. If you want to leave a comment there, you've got thoughts on bullying, online bullying, and all the ambiguities and complexities of this area. Yeah, it's been a pleasure uh, doing this little song and dance for you this week. And thanks for taking the time to talk to me about this stuff, Aaron. Yeah, you're welcome. This was an episode I wanted to do, and Aaron was like, oh, I don't know, there's a lot of ambiguities here. And I was like, yeah, let's just let's do these ambiguities. Let's see what happens. Yeah, that's true. You bullied me into it. <laughs> I was like, no, Sean, please. I don't want to. It's too like, ambiguous. Yeah, come on, nerd. Don't make me beat you again. We just edit those parts out. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it happens off mic. You're very careful about when, when the bullying happens. Love that giant clock, though. Although it was, I don't know if it was worth it to. Build, oh, yeah, just like, in terms of raw materials. There's a lot yeah. you could do with that. It takes a lot of power too yeah then move one of those the giant clock arm mm -hmm. yeah you <laughs> could you could feed a village every time that thing ticks uh, maybe it was a bad idea to make an enormous five by five mile clock just to count down to the end of the episode yeah but we were just like oh you know sometimes we record too much and so we need a bigger clock if there's a bigger clock then we'll be a bigger <laughs> we'll reminder to yeah. not go on so long yeah okay bye everybody <laughs> i'm wrong you're wrong seriously wrong I'm wrong, you're wrong, seriously wrong. I'm wrong, you're wrong, seriously wrong. I'm wrong, you're wrong, seriously wrong.